God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours through faith in Christ our Savior. Amen. Our sermon text is the gospel lesson from Mark chapter 8. Brothers and sisters in Christ, someone asks you, who are you? You might say, well, I'm, a, I'm an accountant, or I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm a student. Or you might say, well, I'm a grandparent, I'm middle-aged, I'm middle-class, uh, I'm vegan. <laughs> That's just a joke. Uh, or you might say, I'm Christian. I'm Lutheran. I'm a member of St. John's. But what if some or all of those things that you use to identify yourself, what if some or all of them were, were just taken away? What if you lost all your money and possessions? What if you lost your job and your career? What if your whole family was killed in some terrible accident? What if you had a crisis of faith? Well, that's what Job had to face. Job lost all his wealth and all his children in one terrible day. And the book of Job tells us how God allowed Satan to torment Job even more. Job suffered from terrible diseases. Job's wife and his friends turned on him. And Job had a crisis of faith. And Job endured all this because he was faithful to God. Now Jesus calls every one of us, every Christian, to be like Job. To be as faithful as Job. You see, Jesus has no desire for wishy-washy, spineless, willy-nilly Christians. Jesus does not want a uh, part-time, digital nomad, gig worker, believer. No, Jesus requires all of you. Jesus demands everything about you. Listen again to what Jesus says. If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. After all, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? In fact, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now, in these words of, of, of Jesus, do you find any room for a lazy faith or half-hearted devotion? Does Jesus list any exemptions or waivers or deferrals or exceptions when it comes to being his disciples? No, not at all. Following Jesus demands all of you. Jesus demands your total devotion and your absolute loyalty. Jesus demands and requires all of you, your entire life. But, here is where following Jesus is actually more difficult than the trauma Job suffered. See, God allowed difficulties and pain to afflict Job. Job never asked for it. However, Jesus says, if anyone wants to, if anyone has the desire to, if you would like to, if you want to follow me, let him deny himself. Actually, a better translation is, he must deny himself. 
So unlike Job, who had no choice, you and I must make a choice. Dedicating your life to Jesus is an act of our will. Following Jesus, self-denial is a conscious and deliberate decision. Following Jesus, therefore, means sacrificing your ego. It means putting to death all your sinful pride. Following Jesus means a radical change in how you see yourself and how you identify yourself. So following Jesus the way he demands that you follow him sounds and looks something like this. You, you, you say, well, my money is really not mine. My money belongs to Jesus. My life is not mine. My life, my whole life, belongs to Jesus. My family is not mine. Yes, my family, they are gifts from Jesus to me. But my family, they all belong to Jesus too. And my, my abilities and my talents are really not my own. They're gifts from Jesus. And I must use all my talents and all my abilities all the time to honor, serve, and glorify Jesus. And my faith is not really mine. My faith is a gift from Jesus. And Jesus is the be-all and end-all of my faith. Jesus powers my faith. Jesus blesses my faith. And yes, Jesus also tests and purifies my faith with the fire, the fire of torment. Now, uh, during this season of Lent, many fine Christians, in their devotion to Jesus, decide to give something up for the season of Lent. And if they are doing this for the right reasons, then it is a, a very good, an excellent reminder to them, their little sacrifice is an excellent reminder to them that Jesus sacrificed his whole life for all sinners. Now again, the Bible does not command this practice of giving something up for Lent, but it can be. Matter of fact, it really is very beneficial to your faith. So, during the season of Lent, people will give up things like, well, you know, you know, chocolate or drinking their favorite soda or drinking any alcoholic beverages or they'll, they'll give up uh, things like video games or, or social media. Some people uh, will make sacrifices during Lent by, you know, giving up an extra amount of their offering, uh, an extra amount of their income to a special offering and as you can see, as you'll hear more, we're doing that here at St. John's. We're asking you to give to, the, uh, to a special offering for our Synod's uh, Committee on Aid and Relief. Uh, and then some people also give up time. Uh, they refrain from doing their hobbies by spending more time in uh, prayer and, and Bible study and meditation on God's Word. Some people give up more time to charity, to helping those people who are in need. Now, if you do this during the season of Lent, well, more power to you, honestly, good for you. And may God, may, God bless, may God bless your devotion to Jesus in this way. But again, I, I must, un must underline that the Bible does not command giving up something for Lent. So giving up something for Lent is, is very good. Don't get me wrong, it's very good. But it's kind of like lowering the flag at half-mast after some mass shooting you know, nobody is so naive as to think that if you lower the flags at half mass you're going to stop mass shootings nobody is so, so foolish so ignorant that they think that if you lower the flag to half mast you're going to prevent some, some hateful or mentally ill person from going on, on a violent rampage 
No, lowering the flags does not reduce crime. Rather, it's a token. Reducing the flag, uh, excuse me, lowering the flag, it recognizes the, the grief and the sorrow and the heartache caused by a tragedy. And in the same way, giving up something for Lent, sacrifices Christians make during the season, they're, they're a token. They, they, they show that, that you are recognizing the tragedy of Christ having to die an innocent death for sinners. And in that way, again, it's very beneficial. But as good as this practice is, do not ever get the idea that giving up a few things for Lent comes anywhere close to what Jesus demands of all believers all time. Giving up you know, bonbons, booze, and book face is nothing compared to what Jesus demands of you all the time. Spending more time in prayer and Bible study and spending more time uh, volunteering, these are excellent things, don't get me wrong. But they do not even scratch the surface of the commitment that Jesus demands of all believers all the time in every way and in every situation. Jesus demands everything of you all the time, not just during Lent. Now, when you hear that Jesus demands absolutely everything from you all the time, in every situation, maybe rattling around in the back of your head, you think, well, that's impossible. I can't do that. And it's ridiculous to even think that I can start to begin to do that level of devotion that Jesus expects of me. I mean, how can Jesus require me to deny my entire self? How can Jesus really expect me to live a, a life of total self-denial, sacrifice, and suffering? It's just, it's just not going to happen. Well, to that line of thinking, Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have your mind set on the things of God, but the things of men. Now, of course, we know that Jesus spoke these words to Peter. But our text explains why Jesus spoke so harshly to Peter. Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the, sp and the experts in the law, be killed, and this is probably where Peter stopped listening, uh, be killed, and after three days rise again. He was speaking plainly to them. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter wanted a victorious, popular, triumphant Messiah. Jesus does not want a rejected, suffering, crucified rabbi. But, Suffering, rejection. That's why Jesus came to this earth. Only by dying on the cross could Jesus crush the power of Satan over us. Only by giving his blood to the point of death could Jesus wash away all of our sins and make us alive by faith in him. Only by being rejected and by being tortured could Jesus make us acceptable to God and bring us to an eternal glorious resurrection. Now Jesus did all these things by dying on the cross. And Jesus is our Savior by dying on the cross. And that's his identity. So Jesus finds his identity as our Savior in his cross. And what is required of the Savior is also required of the saved. What is necessary for Christ's identity as our Savior is also necessary for your identity 
as the saved. And again, Christ's identity as our Savior was in the cross. Therefore, your identity as the saved is in the cross. So find yourself in the cross. And then when somebody asks you, who are you? Well, sure, you can answer, yeah, I'm, I'm Lutheran, I'm a member of St. John's, I'm a grandparent, I'm, I'm a carnivore, or I, you know, I'm retired, or I like, the, I like to go hunting and fishing and all that kind of stuff. And it's okay. It's okay to identify yourself by your, your family role, your, your job, your career. It's okay to identify yourself by uh, your economic status, uh, whether you're a, a grandparent or a grandchild or... It's okay to identify yourself by all sorts of other things, your age and your ethnic heritage and your church membership. But deep down, who are you really? Who are you really if you strip away all those external and temporary things like your job, your career, your family status, your economic status? Who are you if you strip away all those temporary and external things that you use to identify yourself? Who are you really? Well, Jesus tells you who you are. You are a self-denying, cross-carrying follower of Jesus. And you're also a loser. You have lost your life in Christ. And Christ then gives you his life in place of your old life. And Christ giving his life in place of your old life is of utmost importance. That's because you and I well, we do not deny ourselves the way we should. We do not gladly carry our crosses. We would rather indulge our appetites, follow the crowd, and pick up as much success and happiness as we can grab along the way. So your true identity and my true identity do not lie in how well you and I deny ourselves or follow the cross. We do not find our identity in ourselves. Know our true identity, who we really are. That is in Jesus and in his cross. So find yourself in the cross. Find yourself, your true identity, in Christ and in the cross that he carried for your salvation. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.